from nature's favorite playground in Salt Lake City, we're back with another episode of Primary Care Anywhere, a resident-led podcast through the University of Utah Internal Medicine Program. My name is Katherine Schmidt. I am a PGY2 resident and will be hosting today's episode about hypothyroidism. Let's start off with a case. Mr. Cartman is a young male with past medical history notable for obesity and coronary artery disease with a recent MI, despite his young age, who complains of progressive weight gain, nearly 15 pounds in the last nine months. Upon further questioning, we learn he is also experiencing fatigue, constipation, cold intolerance, and mild memory loss. Vitals are within normal limits with the exception of some mild bradycardia. On physical exam, his skin is dry and cool, his face is puffy, speech is slow, and deep tendon reflex time is delayed. The thyroid gland is firm, mildly enlarged, and non-tender. Let's keep this patient in mind as we learn how to screen, diagnose, and treat hypothyroidism from Dr. Hutton Brandon, PGY2, Dr. Alexis Clifton, PGY1, and Dr. Roxanne Weiss, one of our chief medical residents. Hi, I'm Hutton a second year internal medicine resident at the University of Utah. Let's discuss screening for hypothyroidism. Who should we screen for this disease and why? As we know, screening is most useful in a disease that's a common condition with significant morbidity and mortality. Ideally, this disease should have an attainable, effective treatment with greater potential for harm reduction with early detection of the disease. The screening test itself must be accurate, safe, wildly available, and have a reasonable cost. Perhaps the most important qualification is that screening and early treatment have been demonstrated through clinical studies or other means to have a net benefit to our patients. Hypothyroidism is a fairly common disease with an estimated prevalence in the U.S. of 03 to 3.7% for overt hypothyroidism and 3 to 15% for subclinical hypothyroidism. We have a very effective treatment in the form of L-thyroxine, and we know treatment prevents complications such as myxedema coma and symptoms affecting lifestyle in those diagnosed with hypothyroidism. The screening test of choice is TSH, which is inexpensive and readily available, but does have issues with accuracy, stemming from varied laboratory definitions of an abnormal TSH, as well as variation from non-thyroid factors such as acute illness and some medications. Overall, there are no good data to suggest benefit for routine screening of hypothyroidism in the general non-pregnant population. No clinical trials have studied the effectiveness of screening and early treatment. Some modeling exercises suggest a benefit, particularly through theoretic reduction of cardiovascular events by lowering cholesterol. However, studies assessing this relationship between hypothyroidism, cholesterol, and cardiovascular disease have had mixed results. Due to the absence of data demonstrating clinical benefit, major clinical society recommendations are conflicting. The USPSDF found insufficient evidence to assess the benefits and harms of screening. Subspecialty organizations such as the American Thyroid Association 
and American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists do recommend considering screening in those older than 60. They also recommend aggressive case finding in populations at higher risk of hypothyroidism. This includes those with type 1 diabetes or autoimmune diseases, many of which are associated with hypothyroidism, as well as those with a family history of thyroid disease and those with a history of neck radiation or thyroid surgery. Screening has also been suggested in those using medications that may impair thyroid function, such as amiodarone, lithium, and checkpoint inhibitors, as well as in those with Turner syndrome or Down syndrome. In women who are pregnant, there's also insufficient evidence for routine screening. There is some concern for additional risk as hypothyroidism has been associated with adverse perinatal outcomes as well as lower IQs in children. Society recommendations again vary quite a bit, but the American Thyroid Association recommends aggressive case finding in patients with risk factors as well as obesity. Overall, it's unclear that routine screening in asymptomatic patients has benefits that outweigh potential harms until more data is available. But screening those at higher risk of overt hypothyroidism is not unreasonable. Hi, my name is Alexis Clifton and I'm a PGY1 at the University of Utah Internal Medicine Residency Program. And today I'm going to be talking about how to diagnose hypothyroidism. When a provider is evaluating a patient, what symptoms should prompt them to consider hypothyroidism as a diagnosis? Although hypothyroid symptoms can be nonspecific and overlap with many other non-thyroid conditions, the symptoms that most often are seen in overt hypothyroidism include dry, cold, or coarse skin, cold intolerance, puffy eyelids, decreased sweating, weight gain, constipation, fatigue, and mood lability. It is important to note that elderly hypothyroid patients generally have fewer classic symptoms and most commonly report fatigue and weakness as symptoms. Exam findings can often be nonspecific or not even present, but some of the more common findings include coarse, dry skin, hair loss, puffy eyelids, hoarseness, and slow movements. Interestingly, delayed relaxation phase of the deep tendon reflexes is a classic physical finding. Some lab abnormalities that can also suggest hypothyroidism include hyponatremia, macrocytic anemia, elevated creatine kinase levels, and mixed hyperlipidemia. Once a clinician suspects hypothyroidism, what lab tests should they use to diagnose hypothyroidism? Thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, measurement is the best diagnostic test. An elevated TSH almost always means primary hypothyroidism, whereas a normal TSH level usually indicates normal thyroid function. Serum-free thyroxine, or T4, levels may be below the reference range in overt hypothyroidism or within the reference range in subclinical hypothyroidism. In most cases, there is no indication to order a serum T3 test in hypothyroid patients because circulating T3 levels are usually maintained. Of note, increasing age is associated with a natural increase in serum TSH level while the person has seemingly normal thyroid function. Additionally, the presence of anti-TPO antibodies and anti-thyroglobulin antibodies identifies chronic lymphocytic thyroiditis, otherwise known as Hashimoto's, as the underlying cause. Experts are split on whether this test adds additional important clinical information 
because adult hypothyroidism is almost always due to Hashimoto's when not caused by medications or iatrogenic causes. However, it can be important to explicitly demonstrate that the hypothyroidism has an autoimmune cause in order to be aware of potentially other autoimmune diseases a patient may develop or already have. Imaging is not recommended unless one or more nodules are identified by palpation on exam or are found incidentally by other imaging studies. The differential diagnosis of hypothyroidism includes patients who have recently been ill or hospitalized, as TSH may be mildly elevated in these patients. It is recommended that you recheck a TSH level in 6 to 8 weeks. TSH can also be elevated in rare conditions, including TSH-secreting pituitary tumors. Assay interferences can also result in diagnostic errors, such as patients who take biotin supplements can be falsely diagnosed with thyroid disorders. Patients should not take biotin supplements for three days prior to being tested. It is important to consult with an endocrinologist for patients with possible hypothyroidism when the patient has thyroid nodules, known or probable coronary artery disease, cardiac arrhythmias, central hypothyroidism, or possible myxedema coma. Hi, my name is Roxanne Weiss, and I am a current chief medical resident here in Utah. I will be discussing treatment of hypothyroidism. So what are indications for treatment? Indications include overt hypothyroidism, which is an elevated TSH and low T4, and some cases of subclinical hypothyroidism, which I will discuss later. So how do we treat hypothyroidism? Levothyroxine replaces the T4 produced by the thyroid gland and is the treatment of choice. For an adult with overt hypothyroidism, dosing of levothyroxine is 1.6 micrograms per kilogram of body weight. If your patient has an elevated BMI, consider using ideal body weight in this calculation. Young and healthy patients can often tolerate the full dose at initiation. For those with medical comorbidities such as coronary disease, and those over the age of 60 years, consider the start low and go slow approach to replacement. Start with 25 to 50 micrograms a day. The medication should be taken with water on an empty stomach about three hours before or after a meal, and should be separated at least four hours from any iron or calcium-containing supplements. If a dose is missed, two doses can be taken together the following day. Is there a difference between the brand name and generic drug? All the formulations are equally efficacious, but there is variability in dosages between manufacturers. The important point here is consistency. If the patient notices a change in the color, shape, or size of their pill, they should have a repeat TSH. If narrow control of thyroid replacement is critical, such as patients with thyroid cancer, some recommend brand name medications only. So what are the treatment goals and how should we be monitoring our patients? TSH levels do not follow the classic bell curve, and the majority of the population has a normal TSH less than 2.5. Some clinicians will target these lower levels, but evidence has not substantiated this practice. Of note, some guidelines support a higher TSH goal and those greater than 70 years old. Targeting TSH levels of 4 to 6 is appropriate in this population. If the TSH is not within the desired range, increase the dose by 12.5 to 25 micrograms and recheck the TSH in 6 to 8 weeks. Repeat this step until desired level achieved. So do we treat subclinical hypothyroidism? 
There is a paucity of data to answer this question. Some studies have shown improvement in hyperlipidemia and prevention of adverse cardiovascular outcomes when it is treated. Ultimately, guidelines recommend individualized, patient-centered decisions. Strong considerations for treatment should be made for patients less than 70 years old with a TSH greater than 10. If there is no apparent symptomatic improvement in three to six months or they experience any adverse effects, treatment should be discontinued. Symptoms and TSH should be monitored every six to 12 months if no treatment was started. Alrighty folks, that's all I have for treatment. Thanks guys. Let's take this information and apply it to our case. As a reminder, our patient is a young male with known coronary disease whose chief complaint was progressive unexplained weight gain. Based on his presenting symptoms and physical exam, we definitely want to test this patient for hypothyroidism. Serum TSH returns at 18 and serum T4 concentration at 3.7. With an elevated TSH and a low T4, we can make the diagnosis of primary hypothyroidism, with the most likely cause being Hashimoto's. We could think about ordering the antibodies given the possibility for other autoimmune disease the patient could have or develop, but we'll hold off for now. No imaging is needed as there were no nodules on physical exam. Since our patient, Mr. Cartman, has known coronary disease and treating his hypothyroidism, we will want to dose levothyroxine with the start low and go slow approach, likely 25 to 50 micrograms daily. We remind the patient to take his new medication with water on an empty stomach three hours prior to or after a meal, which he is less than thrilled about. He is not taking calcium or iron, but many patients are, so it's important to remind these patients to leave about four hours between taking these supplements and their thyroid medication. As our patient heads out, we tell him to make an appointment in six to eight weeks so we can recheck his TSH and titrate his medication dose appropriately. Let's end by going over the major takeaways. One, common symptoms of hypothyroidism are dry, cold, coarse skin, cold intolerance, weight gain, constipation, fatigue, puffy eyelids, and hair loss. If a patient presents with signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism or has an underlying condition or is taking a medication that would predispose them to hypothyroidism, check a serum TSH. If you suspect central hypothyroidism, though, just get free T4. Two, if TSH is elevated and T4 is low, we can diagnose primary hypothyroidism. If TSH is elevated and T4 is normal, it is considered to be subclinical. And if both are low, that's central hypothyroidism. Three, levothyroxine is the treatment of choice for primary hypothyroidism and can be started at 1.6 micrograms per kilogram daily based on the patient's lean body mass, unless they have known coronary artery disease or are older than 60 years old, in which case use the start low and go slow approach. Titrate levothyroxine by 12.5 to 25 micrograms every 6 to 8 weeks until TSH is at goal. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Primary Care Anywhere. We hope everyone is hanging in there during this very wild year we're having, and we're sending good wishes your way. We'll see you next time.